Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Board Games FM, your daily dose of tabletop gaming discussion on Anchor. Now, welcome your hosts, Jeremiah Isley, Scott Firestone, and AJ Skipstad. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Board Games FM, powered by Theology of Games. Here we go, starting off our week again. Some of you are starting your spring break. Some of you are getting ready for your spring break. And for most of us, that means lots of games. Um, more to come on that later today. But before we uh, start talking about some games that we might want to get to the table over spring break, let's talk a little bit about what we played over the weekend. We always do our What Will You Play on Friday segment, and uh, we want to hear what you actually played. So for me, I got to the table Thunderstone Quest, uh, which is one of my new favorite games. We hear about it quite frequently on Board Games FM, and uh, you'll be hearing about it on the latest Theology of Games podcast as well. Um, and it's just a game that I've really enjoyed, a, a new, fresh deck builder that has some really cool mechanics and features in it that are a little bit different than we've seen in some other deck builders. Enjoying that game a ton, and um, it should be hitting retailers soon. I think you'll like it too. Check out Thunderstone Quest. Uh, but the game that I got to the table that I was most excited about is my all-time favorite game. Some of you will scoff at me when I say this, but I absolutely love this game for several different reasons, and that is Kingdom Builder by Queen Games. This game came out in 2012. I remember, I think 2011, I might have sat down and played it at Origins. I think it might have been a pre-release then or something like that. In any case, I remember sitting down to play it and thinking, this game is fantastic. It has all these different terrain types on a um, on hexagonal boards. Uh, the, the boards aren't hexagonal, but there's hexes on them. And there's all different terrain types. Grassland, woodland, desert, water, mountains, um, canyons, all sorts of different stuff. And what you do on your turn is you draw a card and it'll have a terrain type on it. And you're only allowed to play three of your settlements on a terrain type. So basically the single mechanic in the game is draw a terrain type and play three settlements on it. That's all you're doing in the game, except the fact that every time that you play a terrain, every time you play a settlement, you always have to play it next to a pre-existing settlement if you can. So adjacency rules always apply, which makes the game really kind of difficult to try and figure out where am I going to put my pieces and how are they going to score me the most points? Well, that's the question. How do you score points? Well, it's different every time. You'll draw three cards that have scoring mechanisms on them. One of them might be build as many settlements as you can next to water. So you have to take advantage of placing your settlements next to water if you can. But unfortunately, sometimes when you're forced to play your pieces next to pre-existing pieces, you can't play next to water. Fortunately, there's three scoring mechanisms, not just the one scoring next to water. So hopefully, you can find another way to use your pieces. Um, and it's just incredibly thought-provoking, incredibly strategic, where you're always trying to think, how can I maximize my points here? What can I do to get the most points? And one final feature of the game, and there's a couple more, but one final that I'll mention, is there's different locations that you can play next to that are going to give you special bonus abilities on your turn that are allow you to, to change the placement of your pieces to kind of bypass the rule of adjacency sometimes. And that's what makes the game so interesting. If you 
can collect these pieces that allow you to do different things with your settlements, you are going to be doing really well for yourself in this game. It is phenomenal. I love it because of the simplicity of the mechanic. Draw a card, place three settlements. Draw a card, place three settlements. But there's so many different ways that you can place them if you have the time to sit down, figure it out, and just think through your turn a little bit. And fortunately, I don't believe that this game draws up analysis paralysis. I mean, you might have somebody thinking for about 40 seconds on their turn. That might be the max. But most of the time, people are going to know what they're going to do on their turn. So I love this game. It plays great with two players. It gets um, a little hairy with four players because people are going where you want to go. I can't say enough about Kingdom Builder because it is my favorite game probably of all time. And I just, the replayability is incredible. There's so many expansions that give you new boards and new abilities to do with your settlements. I love it. Kingdom Builder, check it out. And especially because this game goes on sale quite frequently on Amazon. You can, I, I picked it up for Christmas for a second time for $8 and gave it as a gift. And you say, well, why does it go down to $8? Because Queen Games always does that with their games. I mean, it's back up to like 40 bucks right now, 40 or 50 So it's a great game. I absolutely love it. Check it out. That's what I played over the weekend. What did you play? Check you later. You can be more than just a listener. If you're listening via the Anchor app, you can be a part of the discussion by using the voice message feature. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Download the app and join the conversation today. Hey everyone, it's Firestone here with Board Games FM powered by TheologyofGames.com. So this weekend, what did I play? I only got one game in, but it was kind of a doozy. It was Eldritch Horror with my 10-year-old. We had started a few days before that and played a couple of turns just to kind of familiarize ourselves with it. And so on Saturday, we just kind of sat down and played through the rest of this mission. It was the introductory one, so the monster wasn't too terrible. But I'll tell you. I had, both of us had a blast playing this game. We were getting towards the end of it, and he looks at me and he says, Dad, this is my fourth favorite game. And that's the kind of kid he is, where he keeps track of each game and where it falls on his hierarchy. So he, we were having just a great time fighting monsters, running all across the map, getting delayed, which actually is a terrible mechanism, and I hate that they included it in this game. It's probably the worst thing about this game, in my opinion, is the delayed mechanism. Having people just miss an entire turn is dumb, dumb, dumb. Stop doing that fantasy flight. But we had a lot of fun. And one of the things that I love about this game, well, first I have to tell you, I played Arkham Horror a number of years ago. And it was a terrible experience. It was bloated. It was slow. There were times where I had nothing to do that were unrelated to being delayed or anything. It just was not fun. And you can get stuck in how in buildings because there are monsters outside that you can't fight. Oh, it was just terrible. I hate that game. And we played for hours and hours and hours and hours. Too long. So Eldritch Horror was going to be an uphill battle for me because I thought it's based on that. How much can it really streamline it? And the truth is, it's 
night and day difference as far as I'm concerned. Sure, some of the core mechanisms may be the same, but it plays faster. It's more interesting. I ju it's just a better game. And I know people sometimes love that experience of playing these long Arkham Horror games, but that is not me at all. But I'll play Eldritch Horror anytime. Had a ton of fun with it. One of the things I love the most is that the cards are unique on the backside. So a lot of times you'll get a, a weapon or a condition, mostly conditions. So you might be blessed or you might be cursed or you might have a debt or you might have a leg injury or something like that. And on the front side, there'll be some kind of description of it. And then certain things will trigger that will cause you to test certain, you have certain tests against it or whenever this happens, flip the card. And on the back side is something different. And the great thing about this game is almost all the cards are different on the back side. So you and I could have both have the blessed condition and on the back side, it will have something different. That is such a cool idea. And like over the top replayability, over the top cons consideration, I guess. Yeah, because if, if they're all the same, like that's cool. But if they're all different, that's super cool. So I love that aspect of it. Right now we just have the base game and the Forsaken Lore expansion, but I cannot wait to add more stuff to this. More monsters, more investigators, more cards, more mechanisms. I am a big fan of Eldritch Horror now. So that's my recommendation. Play Eldritch Horror, throw out Arkham Horror. It's dinks, but Eldritch Horror is fun. All right, we'll talk to you later. Have a great day, bye. Hey everyone, Jeremiah here with Board Games FM, doing my little segment here for the games that I happened to get played over the weekend. And well, it was an exciting weekend of gaming, and more, I guess, particularly, it was an exciting, exciting Friday for me. I had my game night, which I think I mentioned on Friday last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we had, I was hoping to get eight folks over here. I was hoping to get eight guys, set up the table, play Captain Sonar, four versus four, and just have a great time with that. Turns out I only got six because <clears throat> some folks couldn't make it. We'll just uh, leave that out as it is, <clears throat> AJ. Um, but I did have six guys, so we played three on three. And what we did is... Whoever was playing the captain role also played the first mate, and then we had a radio operator, and we had an engineer. And it was, guys, it was so much fun. We played from about 8.30, 8.45 till midnight. It was well over three hours, and I kept telling the guys, I'm like, hey, I've got other games I think you all would enjoy. I was going to bring out Ethnos. I was going to bring out Custom Heroes. I was going to bring out The Captain is Dead. I had all these sort of contingency plans in case, you know, Captain Sonar fizzles out and everybody's enjoyed it, but they want to move on and try something different. It never happened. I kept saying, do you want to change it up? Do you want to play something different? I'm totally cool. You know, no pressure to keep playing this. And every time, everybody was like, no, let's run this back. Let's do this again. And we would switch a couple people or people would play different roles or we, you know, switch teams and things like that. We had a blast. Now, 
I do want to say this about the game because everybody says, oh, well, that first mate role, it's kind of weak. It's kind of boring. It's kind of not necessary. And I understand that. Like literally you check off things and make sure that things get filled up. And of course you can use the sonar and the drone when you're the first mate. You don't have to wait for the captain to call those things. Not that many people do that, but it's super helpful when a first mate actually does that. But here's what I noticed because I played the captain a handful of times and then I played the radio operator and I played the engineer, but I'd say I probably paid, played the captain a couple more times than any other role that night. And for me, it was easier to be the captain when I was also playing the first first mate because that was one less person I had to communicate with. I didn't have to worry about hey, charge up this one. I want this one. Where are we with silence? Where are we with with the drone or torpedoes? I need to know these things. It was I just knew because I was over there marking them off. And then I also had the direct line to the engineering. So for me, it, having that fourth person to me makes it a lot more interesting because it's another person to communicate with. It requires an extra level of teamwork, which is for me, what is so great about this game. It's all about teamwork. It's all about communication and being stealth because you know the other team is listening in on you. I just think it's a fantastic game, and I still say it plays best with four players on each side. Don't get me wrong. We had a blast playing three-on-three, but I think it's still a little bit better with four-on-four. So that is, I I don't have anything else to report. Actually, I did play a game this morning. I'm going to do another segment on that. It'll be a first impressions segment. So, hey, why don't we do that right now? This one is fresh off the game table. It's time for more Board Game Buzz as Board Games FM gives you a first impression of the latest games to hit our table. Hey everyone, back here again. This is Jeremiah and I've got a first impressions review. I guess I don't even know if I'd call this a review, but whatever it's a first impression take it's a hot take on a game that i actually just played this morning and (laughs) go figure it is sonar which is i i didn't even realize this at the time sonar came out sonar was designed by the same two guys and published by the same publisher that are responsible for captain sonar so here's the thing, Cap- or Sonar is only available, I believe, from what I've heard, it's only available at Target. So I picked it up uh, last week, late last week sometime, because it was on sale, it was only $25. I said, you know what, I'm just going to pick it up, I want to see the differences between it and Captain Sonar. And so 25 bucks, and then they had a buy one, get one half off thing going on. So I also picked up a copy of Star Wars Destiny for $10. I was like, 35 bucks, two games, done deal. Let's do this. So anyway, I played Sonar because Friday night when I had my Captain Sonar night, uh, the boys were really interested in it, and they're 9 and 11. I said, you know what? It's kind of a guy's night kind of thing. Probably Captain Sonar, I think they would do great at, but 
you know, it's it's going to be late night. You guys got to got to get to bed. And so they didn't get to play and they were they're a little bit disappointed, but they understood. So today they started spring break and they have a list of games that they want to play, which is great. Super excited about that. But on that list was Sonar. And I said, why don't we do that one? You guys, I, I can teach it to you super easy. And they were all hyped about it anyway because they knew that I had played Captain Sonar. So here's the difference with Sonar. It is only for two to four players. And there are two positions. There's Captain and there's Radio Operator. Also, there's no ter- there's no uh, real-time option in this one. It is completely turn-based. And on the Captain's map... Uh, instead of there being a map or a, a mat for uh, charging up your systems, for systems that break down, things like that, systems don't break down in, in sonar. So there's none of that. You can go any direction you want at any time. And there is basically, there's just a power meter on there that you tick off. So it's got four spots on it. And you can do three things. You can activate sonar, which is a little bit different than Captain Sonar in that when you activate sonar, they have to tell you one thing and it has to be true. It has to be either their their uh, latitude or longitude. So their row or their column. So that is sonar. There's a torpedo, which makes... I don't have to explain that, except that it doesn't blow up the surrounding area. It only hits it if it's a direct hit. And then there's silence, which you can run silent, but instead of moving up to three spaces, you only get to move one. So those are the main differences. Oh, and two hits and you're done instead of four, four hits of damage. So you take your turn, you call your direction, the radio operator marks that down, then the other team takes their turn and vice versa. You go back and forth. I played two on one versus my boys and they actually beat me. Uh, I, I made a little bit of a tactical error. I should have gone silent one more time before I had a chance, before they had a chance to hit me. But I thought I was going to catch up to them and be able to, uh, to torpedo them because, oh, there is one other small thing. You have to be in the same sector. The, the map is only broken into quadrants. So uh, just like the real-time maps and Captain Sonar. So you have to be in the same corner, you know, of the map in, in the same quadrant. And I thought I would be able to catch up to them and I didn't. And they figured out where I was and they blew me out of the water. So here's the thing. It's a great way for folks to learn how to play Captain Sonar. It gives you a lot of the concepts, how to, how the radio operator role works and especially, you know, if you're learning how to play the captain role, you learn some of that. It's a kind of a really good introduction into that. I don't think it's better than Captain Sonar by any stretch because uh, the turn-based thing doesn't really do it for me in this game. I understand why they do it. I understand it's it's a way, it's sort of a, a light version of the game. But going real-time three-on-three, four-on-four with Captain Sonar, I think is infinitely better. But it doesn't mean that it wasn't fun, and my boys enjoyed it, and I think it has it has a spot on the shelf. It has a spot to get out on the table. Um, you know, maybe if I'm playing with only three or four players, it might be a little 
better for uh, for that situation, especially some more casual players, because the systems it's infinitely easier to teach because there's a lot less going on. There's a lot less levels of communication and systems breaking down and things like that. So I don't know. I I enjoyed it. I guess if I had only played this one, I'd be like, yeah, this is fun. It's good. But having played Captain Sonar and knowing how much better it is, I think I would still heavily favor Captain Sonar in any case. But there it is. That's a quick first impression look at Sonar, which is also the sister or the cousin to Captain Sonar. Stay tuned. Let me know. Have you played both of those? Have you played either one? Uh, What are your thoughts? Do you agree with me? Do you think one is better than the other? Let me know. Use that voice message feature here on the Anchor app or... You can always tweet at us at theology of games dot or at theology of games on Twitter, or you can always follow find us at theologyofgames.com. I'm Jeremiah Isley. We'll be back with more here on Board Games FM. Stay tuned. Hey, Board Games FM. Love the new intro. I just want to call in about uh, two player games that require a commitment. And you know I'm a Star Realms guy. Uh, Hero Realms is not usually a long game, but the boss decks add a lot of power and a lot of time to the game. If you play the Lich boss deck against the Dragon boss deck, you're in for about an hour-long deck-building experience where the decks are going to be powering up and doing different kinds of things. The Necromancer, the Lich King, is going to be summoning uh, undead zombies into play and trying to corrupt the city, and the dragon has its treasure hoard, which is going to give it uh, special powers, and the lich might be stealing those treasures. It is a tremendously fun experience for two players. Boss vs. Boss, check it out. Hey, Troy, thanks for calling in. Um, I actually I have Hero Realms. I haven't actually had a chance to play it yet. But I'm intrigued about these boss decks. Um, I actually I don't know much about that, so uh, I'm gonna have to do some research on that. Or if you want to call back and let us know where to find info on these boss decks, is this a, a deck that is an expansion type thing? What are we looking at here? Um, I love Star Realms. I love uh, the gameplay of that. It's a great deck builder. I read quickly through the rulebook of Hero Realms. Looks like it's very similar, except you can tap, uh, what is it, champions or guardians, which are kind of like your outposts and things like that in uh, in Star Realms. So anyway, let me know. Give me some more information on that because I'm really interested on, on checking this out and uh, maybe making Hero Realms a little more uh, hardcore for us. So anyway, thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, stay tuned for more from Board Games FM. As always, we're powered by TheologyOfGames.com. Thanks for joining us today. Board Games FM is powered by TheologyOfGames.com. Don't forget to head over to TheologyOfGames.com to check out all we have to offer, including written reviews, our YouTube channel, and two other podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening, and go put a game on the table.